G'day, I'm Nicola Chellis, passionate ocean lover, photographer, and aspiring marine science student. Oh, and one of the co-hosts of the Green Style Podcast. I'm a part of the World Oceans Day Youth Advisory Council with Maha, who you'll hear from very soon. I am also founder of Sea Change Network, an organisation with ambitions to push for legislative changes to protect oceans in Australia and to provide students across Victoria and beyond with the tools and skills needed to create their own social justice and environment groups. So make sure to check it out. And kia ora and hello. My name is Mahafir, I'm 18 years old and I live in New Zealand. I'm a passionate lover of fashion and sustainability and I'm also a part of the World Oceans Day Youth Advisory Council from 2019 to 2021. I am also one of your co-hosts for the Green Star podcast. This podcast is all about introducing you to ethical fashion businesses worldwide and broadening your knowledge about the fashion industry and how we can make it more of a sustainable place. We are so excited for you to be joining us on this journey and can't wait for you to hear the epic people that we have lined up. Thank you for tuning in and catch you on this episode. Kia ora everyone, it's Maha here today and today we have a guest from Wellington, New Zealand, Panya Greenaway. Panya is the founder and creative director behind Panya the Label, a Wellington local inspired by people, menswear, artisans and their methods of design and construction. She grew up surrounded by indigenous artists and craftspeople. These experiences and more fostered her love of design, art, artisanship, conservation and the belief that clothing should be well made, effortlessly worn, treasured and kept for years to come. Created in 2017, Panya the label fulfilled her desire to produce thoughtfully considered designs that respect artisanship, land and people. A design ethos committed to producing New Zealand made garments and supporting local industry. A small but strong ethically minded business that is inclusive, kind and responsible continuously inspired by experience and crafted with aroha. It gives me great pleasure for Panya to be on the Green Style podcast today and thank you so much for joining us. Um, How are you Panya? Good, thank you. Well that's great. It's so exciting to have you here. I know that I want to talk to you last year as well because of the whole ethical fashion summit that we did in my area but um, I know that you couldn't make it to that. So it's really cool that I now get the chance to talk to you. So uh, I thought that we could just start off with you just introducing yourself and what you do at Panya the Label. Sure. Um, so I, I am Panya um, and I have a women's wear fashion um, label. I work out of Wellington and I and currently do everything in New Zealand, produce and make um, locally if I can. And but just throughout the country, so I do. Um, I'm don't do season base. I do collection base. So I I work around this idea that I release or create and release um, collections that suit me and um, working with um, sort of our ethos of, of doing things slower and um, that are kinder to the environment and to the people and the people who work for us. So we we don't do um, a lot and. Constantly, we, we are a lot slower with what we do and how we do things, a lot more considered, I suppose. 
Yeah, and it's really exciting for me whenever I get the chance to talk to local fashion businesses because those are the businesses I really do love supporting and it's the whole reason why we have you here today. And um, you described your collections as a part of the slow fashion movement. And I wanted to ask if you could describe your different collections and why they're sustainable and ethical. Sure. So um, I think it's when we design here, we think about more designing and creating and um, for longevity and quality and encouraging the slower production um, schedules and, um, you know, lower footprints and ideally zero waste if we can. That's kind of where we work to. So we've done, we don't use fur or leather here. Um, we work locally or work with people we know where we can sort of see how things are produced and who's doing it. Um, we also uh, look at how we can um, manage um, our production, our, our scale of things so and our production uh, runs so that we don't have a lot of overproduction or, or um, you know, waste. That, that's a big thing here. And so some of our collections, I usually always do some zero waste pieces. It's just like about introducing people to that concept and this, you know, idea that um, it's, it's just usually a different silhouette with zero waste. It's not so fitted. So it's just getting people used to that sort of idea and, and silhouette. And then also... Um, like limited runs or one-offs are really um, popular because, you know, you, um, you don't have this whole, you know, you don't have a lot of leftover, you don't have to do sales, you don't have to have a whole lot of leftover product. Um, so it's another thing we do. And we also like to use natural or, um, you know, natural fibres when we can. Usually we do or recycled, um, recycled polyester if we have to use uh, synthetic material or using fabrics that are easily, you know, can be um Word, um, you know, that are easily more easily to break down, or they can they have a longer a longer lasting you know longer life, and also especially with natural fibers, the more you wear them, or the more you wash them, usually the softer and better they become. So they have they just naturally have a longer life cycle, and they're kinder, they're a lot nicer for your skin, and, and kinder to work with for our workers, you know, things like that. So that's some of the things we try and incorporate in our collections when we're designing. Yeah, and natural fibres are most definitely the way to go, especially organic natural fibres. And you even said that you're focusing on zero waste pieces, which is so good considering that the textile industry produces something like 15 million tonnes of textile waste per year, which is insane. So it's so great that you're focusing on being zero waste whenever you create your collections. And I think it'd be really good to also get into the fact of how you don't use fur or leather because a lot of people, I think, usually glorify buying leather shoes or leather bag and so forth. And I think it would be cool to kind of have discussion around that and just explain why you don't use animal products in your collections. Well, the last year or so, I'm actually um, a vegan. And that's just, that was actually um, health reasons initially. But also, most of my life, I've also, I've just not liked the way um, animals are treated when you know how um this idea that, that they are growing or use for their skin <laughs> and the I, do, I just doesn't sit well with my with me and um also I think it's more now we don't need to like um maybe our ancestors back in the day like there was a need um and they were also very respectful with how they used all the animal or prepared 
you know, um, how they treated the animals. Well, that, that, that doesn't always happen now. I, I know, you know, you can read about it and it's pretty, it's a lot of information about that. Um, and so I don't really want to be at all um, contributing or, you know, helping their industry survive. I'd, I'd, hopefully it'll be a thing of the past and, you know, in your generation or the next generation, people won't even think about doing that. Um so that's mainly, the main reasons is ethical and just, um, I don't think we need to. There's lots of other options now, like um, you can use wool from an animal. You don't have to, you know, have the wool skin, leather. There's so many other options for shoes and things now that, you know, I think we've just, we, you know, technology and we have, we, we, we you know, tried a lot more, you know, um, we've got a lot more options now that, that I don't think it's as necessary. So I think... Um, those are some of the reasons, mainly ethical, and I think it's time we just move past that, to be honest. <laughs> That's what I think, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm seeing a lot more of my friends around me becoming vegan or discontinuing to eat red meat, and some of it is for health reasons, but there's also um, environmental reasons too around it knowing that they're not giving into an industry that's actually destroying our planet or harming animals in a way, and also um, in, to an industry that's undermining the lives of these animals. And sometimes you have to have this level of empathy within you to understand that animals do have emotions and can feel things. And once a person is able to reach this level of empathy, I think it makes it a lot more easier for them to transition going vegan or going vegetarian to help those animals and our planet. So it's really great that you're vegan and it's great that you can acknowledge these things because you are so right. There is so many more options out there now thanks to technology and we really shouldn't be focusing on animal products anymore for whatever purposes in the fashion industry. So excellent point. But moving on, I wanted to ask you about you and you growing up, really, because you explained in your website that you grew up with a lot of Indigenous craftsmen and artists around you. And from those experiences, what have you learned and how have you incorporated? Yeah, great question. Um, so a lot of the, the Indigenous people I grew up with, so my mum's family, from she's from Taupo Tainui, Manyapoto, um, so and also my grandmother and my father. My grandmother was Scottish, but they used a lot. She lived through the depression too, so there was two different thought patterns there. One was, you know, everything was very precious; it was very hard to get, and we should, you know, reuse and recycle where we can, and and make what we can, and grow everything. My father was the same, and he was a carpenter. And then my grandfather was a carver, and my nan was a weaver, and. My mum weaved and baked. So it was just how I grew up, how I lived. Um, we lived very holistically. We, we, I grew up in Tarkaka for a little bit and we weren't shops, so we grew everything. So it was just um, part of the way of we, how we lived. So just learning things like um, it's really just the respect for the process and the craft and um, the materials was one of the main things that you le I learned from my grandparents. And so when they were working... Um, just this idea that, you know, um, understanding the seasons, local materials, um, how you work, um, you know, conservation and um, conservation and how to preserve and look after the areas you gather from, where you collect from, and then working with the materials, like um, having a patience and an understanding for the materials you use, especially if you're weaving with the flax, how to collect it, um, how to make sure you don't kill the plant when you, you're gathering 
the leaves are weaved from and then the having the patience to prepare the materials that takes a long time when you're doing it all by hand um and and then also when you are creating just being in the moment and working with the material in front of you and an understanding of what you've got in front of you and how that would and so when having the patience and letting the material guide you a bit too so that when you're carving or you're weaving or you're growing or even when you're cooking, if you're just a bit slower with what you do and a bit more purposeful and you've gathered the things yourself, you usually have this connection where you take the time and it's not just you creating, it's you and everything around you creating. So it's that, it's a very, um, I suppose that is an Indigenous way of thinking where your environment and you're connected um, and so the process when you create something, it comes from the, the beginning of the flax to the end garment. So we we do that. And um, here, I suppose the one way we do it is um, another another thing you learned is having the space, the right space to be in. So that it was physically, mentally, spiritually when you're creating, especially Māori, when they weave, it's very um, particular how they set up before they start, how they finish with the working space. Um, so things like that we do here. So it's um, the space is very, um, you know, having a space that's clean and healthy to work in um, and that's, you know, um, where people are respected and, the, and they're not cold, you know, for me be, be being warm and having the right materials and things and the right tools so that you are you have this nice space to work in that's safe and, and, and good. And then the materials, it's the same. Where did they come from? What? If this material is is cotton or linen, how would that how could, how does that mean I can work with it? How can I not work with it? Um, always having this understanding of where the material came from, who made it, um, where it was produced, um, is it you know what chemicals are in it, what how it was used, all those things. So that sort of is more of an understanding and a thought and a and, and a bit of patience, which um, I think fast fashion probably doesn't have the time for that process, <laughs> but with the way we do things, we've got the time to really take that time and have that respect for the process, the craft and materials and an understanding of what we're working with. Um, so I think those concepts you can translate today still with, even though we're using completely different materials and processes, I think it's still, and it just makes you feel good about what you do and you usually produce something that's, um, you know, it's more of a tonga, that's what you're doing, you're producing a bit of a tonga that, you know. Um, so yeah, so I don't know, that's kind of, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, what you said is really important. And thank you a lot for sharing um, about your experiences growing up and even now. And it is very important. And I have believed for a bit now that if we are to move forward in the fashion industry or even as a whole in society, it's about looking back at the Indigenous perspective and even looking at the Indigenous perspective now, of course, as well. Because it wasn't really until colonization happened did we start having all these environmental issues and societal issues. So I do believe that we need to take more of a slower approach and more of an in-depth approach and really look at how indigenous concepts are still very prevalent in today's times. Because it's going to be those concepts because they're the original concepts which have helped to preserve our planet and we should be listening to Indigenous people and Indigenous innovation and putting these ideas on the front line with literally everything that we're doing. Because you are right, fast fashion is never looking at these processes or those perspectives. And it leads me to ask if you reckon that the fashion industry is um, 
actively making space for Indigenous designers, and this can be both in either like New Zealand or even worldwide. I think Indigenous people are making space in the fashion world for Indigenous designers, and I think um, mainstream fashion um, you know, businesses and spaces are coming on board and accepting it. I don't think, in my experience, they haven't gone out of their way too, but I think there's so many Indigenous um, people actually actively out there pushing, and that's where it's coming from. Um, Atta from Metal Motor, she, 10 years ago, went and um, sort of lobbied New Zealand Fashion Week and said, hey, there's, there's no space here for Māori. Um, I'd like to start, you know, the show Metal Motor and give Māori a, a voice in mainstream fashion, and they were great. They came on board. That was, um, But it was Atta, you know, went and pushed that. Um, in London, I've done Pacific Fashion Week, and they... That's a Fiji, Fiji, um, Fijian lady, Anna, who started that and pushed that. So, you know, there's a lot of, I think, Indigenous voices now being heard and pushing. Um, I see it from that space, but it'd be nice to see a bit the other way too, where mainstream are saying, you know, because it is a different, I mean, you know, there's systemic, um, there's um, just years of you know, the, the, the mainstream fashion's been operating in a certain way for so long that it, that doesn't fit in with how Indigenous designers work, the way we do things, our silhouettes, our products, whatever, um, our stories we want to tell. So th- there's been a disconnect. And I think um, seeing more of them in main, more of that um, thinking and philosophy in mainstream fashion, it, they won't be so discon- it won't be disconnected and then people will see it as, you know, be more um, exposed to and a different way of thinking and a different way of and a different beauty that's not a Western, um, you know, uh, centered concept. You know, uh, you know, sort of looking at other ideas of beauty that aren't just a Western perspective. So that would I think it's important, and hopefully we see more of that. But I see it more coming at the moment from Indigenous peoples really pushing to get more mainstream. Yeah, yeah. And I know that sometimes there is that issue that when somebody who is not Indigenous and is coming from a mainstream business and is asking an Indigenous designer or business to come on board for a certain project or fashion week or something like that, there can be issues of tokenism. And I was wondering, have you seen that much throughout your line of work within the fashion industry in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, I, um, you do usually around Matariki, Waitangi, <laughs> times like that when they need a Māori or, a, you know, an a Indigenous perspective on something, they might get a designer in. And um, I suppose it's a way to get, to get you know, um, to be seen and um, it's a start but it'd be, it would be it does happen, but I'd like it'd be nice whether if it was just more, um, you know, it wasn't a one-off or, or once a year at the big Māori events. You know, it'd be nice, yeah, to be just included all the time, not just at an event. So I do see it usually around those times, or if someone's coming and they're like, "Oh, get a get a Māori designer because William, or someone's coming over." You know, um, I, that happens a lot, and I think. Yeah, we, we need to be seen more than just at special events or important events. <laughs> Definitely. There is so much space for improvement, um, especially around ensuring that Indigenous voices within the industry occurs 
all year round and as you said not just for those Māori events like Matariki and Waitangi Day or when William and Kate are coming around but you know for all the mainstream events um, in the fashion industry that are occurring as well. And another thing um, I wanted to ask you is that you've been in the industry for a while now and do you wish there was something more of or less of in the fashion industry? Well, that's an interesting one. Um, I think, uh, so transparency is a big one. I think that's that would be important to see a bit more of that. A lot of what you see is usually um, whoever can pay to be in a magazine gets in the magazine, which is not always all de- every designer can't do that, especially slow fashion, small businesses. They usually don't have the putio, the, you know, the funding to actually pay for that for, for those positions to be seen um so and also transparency around how things got to you know um why things cost so much especially when i'm making something people are like, oh that's too expensive i can't buy that and you're thinking well um there's a reason why it's expensive and you know we've been so used to being able to pay for so you know people being able to get a t-shirt for ten dollars that when you sell one for 80 they're like why is yours 80 um, so it'd be good to see, well, that one's $10 because, you know, the person who made it got paid 20 cents and um, they dyed it with really toxic dyes and that's flowed out into the ocean or the riverways of a community, you know, um, waterway of a community. So that transparency around that, I think, would help and when people make choices and, and still they might not be able to support that, um, you know, it, a more sustainable fashion, but at least they have an idea and they can work towards, you know, getting out of this idea of a cheap T-shirt or, or, or whatever. Um, so that would be, I think, transparency around that, around processes and things like that would be great. Um, I think it's starting to happen, people becoming more aware, but I think it's still very, um, yeah, I don't think it's that front and foremost at, at the moment. Yeah, um, I do have my view around pricings and I have talked to other ethical fashion business owners and founders in previous interviews and I did ask about their pricings and why do they have the prices that they do and usually, you know, it's just to make sure that their products are high quality, the technology that they use is usually a lot more complex than those from the fast fashion industry and, you know, making sure that they're paying their workers a fair wage. And I know it can be difficult for people to afford clothing from ethical fashion businesses. That's simply just the reality of it. But there's also other things that we can be doing to give into sustainability, such as buying secondhand clothes, going to clothing swaps. So yeah, there are those cheaper options. And even um, if you're middle class or you're upper upper class, then yeah, you do... um, have that option to go to an ethical fashion business over a fast fashion business because you could get a $60 top from Zara, but you could also probably get a $60 top from a business that actually is ethical. So I totally agree with what you've said. Um, Transparency is definitely a lot more needed within the fast fashion industry. And it's good that people are coming out with more reports about the sustainability, but um, there's still a huge lack of it. So just, I've got one more question for you. And a few of our listeners are from New Zealand and those who aren't, I think this is probably a good thing to know. Um, But I want to ask, why do you think that we should be supporting local businesses? What's the importance around that? 
Yeah, well, local business, I mean, um, you're not just supporting that business. Usually when you support a local business, you're supporting really the wider community. Um, and that money flows out into the community usually through the schools, through all sorts of things that um, by supporting that local business. Also, keep skills here in New Zealand, which we are getting very short of, especially in the fashion industry. It's shrinking. Um, so the main thing, yeah, would be to keep the skills alive here and, and to really help grow the industry of whatever business you're supporting, whether it's food or fashion. or, And then also just the benefits to the wider community and the local community is, is huge just from you know, buying from one local business, you really are supporting more than that, just that person. <laughs> it's like a flow-on effect, you know. My suppliers are local. The lady who makes my knitwears in Pukaru Bay and she's got two people who work for her. So when you support me, you're supporting her and her two people and obviously she's supporting a family. And so that it is, it's a flow-on effect. And, that, and also going back to that Indigenous way of thinking that is a very way you do. You, it's very community based, and you do support your your community, your iwi, your hapu. So it's a similar type of thinking, you know. Um, yeah, you're not just supporting that one person, and it's not going to a corporation or to shareholders. Is actually going into that community. So I think it's really important. Um, yeah, I try and do it whenever I can. Just buy something from the shop down the road, you know. Well, I hope everybody listened to that. Supporting a local business means supporting your community. So make sure that you choose the local options if you have those options. I know that in New Zealand, we do have quite a few different ethical fashion businesses that you can choose from. And if you live somewhere else outside of New Zealand, um, definitely do your research and see what else is available for um, places that you can go purchase to because you never know there might be something that you can buy locally instead of having to buy internationally so that's all the questions I have for you today Panya thank you so much for joining me it was so cool to meet you you're just as cool as I thought you would be Um, so yeah thank you so much and I hope you have a really great rest of your week and I can't wait for this podcast episode to be released thank you maha It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of The Green Style. To engage more with our guests and further explore today's topic, you can check out our social medias at n.cholis on Instagram, which is n.tsiolis, and at mahafir on Instagram, which is m-a-h-a-f-i-e-r-r. You can also follow the World Oceans Day social media, which is at World Oceans Day on Instagram and also on Facebook. And you can also sign the 30 times 30 petition to protect our oceans. Thank you for listening today and catch you on the next episode. Music is Happy Rock from Ben Sounds.